Good morning again. It's good to be with you this morning. This message was actually supposed to be about two weeks ago, I believe it was. I believe it is. We were all expecting Rory and Chris and Russell to be in Nepal together, and so the elders were going to do a little Advent type thing and a uh, little three-week message, so to speak, and then at the last minute I had to kind of bail out and go to Florida to be with uh, my mom as she was having some health issues, and I appreciate the prayers of of all y'all because she's doing much better now, but uh, so then when I was there, Rory, as we all know, stayed home he took over, and I'm like, well, okay. You know, God didn't have that plan. And then talking to him on the phone one day, he's like, so you want to do it on the 17th? And I'm like, well, sure, if you want me to. I figured that with him being in town as, you know, the lead pastor, he'll be leading. But he'll be here to the second service, so I guess I can kind of run around and do whatever I want to to this service since he's not here, and he'll never know. And I know y'all wouldn't tell him that I did any of that. Shh. Last night I had, I don't know if it was a dream or a vision or something, y'all would probably consider it a nightmare because kind of uh, up here I was during the message, I was moonwalking back and forth and all kinds of stuff, but I'm I'm not going to do that today. I'm not going to do that. (laughs) But uh, it's always an honor and privilege be able to stand up here and bring the word of God to you and it's probably a better thing I'm doing it this week and not next week because I'm not real sure how y'all would react to a almost 65 year old elder with a red and green mohawk standing up here bringing the word of God to you now that is going to be the truth though because I made a promise with the uh one of kids back in October that if we had a certain amount of clubbers for a five or six week period that I'd let them give me a mohawk the last week we only needed 80 to reach that goal and we had 90 plus so that made certain that they're going to get to give me a mohawk and that's going to happen tomorrow night but that's okay it's just hair to grow back but it's important to me to be a part of these kids' lives and to do whatever I can do just like for you to to do whatever you can do because the children are so important to Christ. And he tells us that in the scriptures when he talks to the uh, disciples about that when they want to shoo them away. But that's not part of the message today. That's just extra little stuff. The message today is... It's about the Advent, and it's on hope. And I'm doing a little research on the Advent and all that, and this was brought up as back in the the old biblical days. They were anticipating or awaiting on God to fulfill his promise. And he had promised that he was going to bring a Savior to the world to save the world, to heal the world. Well, back during those times, they're kind of back there like we are now. They were waiting on the Savior 
to make his appearance, to come and save him. Whereas today we're awaiting the second coming of Jesus. Because as we see later on this morning, he has promised that he's going to come back again. And when he makes a promise, he keeps it. I can promise you this or that and the other, but as a sinful carnal man, I'm going to let you down a lot of times. And I may promise you that I'm going to be there tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock to help you load up that truck to do whatever. But there's a, there's a chance that I might break that promise and not show up for whatever reason. But I guarantee you if it's in this book, it's written in this book, it's God-breathed word. If it's in there, it's absolute truth. And when he makes a promise, he keeps it. So we uh, part of a hope is remembering God's faithfulness in the past and trusting in his plans for the future. His faithfulness in the past, once again, he promises that he's going to send them a Savior. And he will send them a Savior. We know that. We know that's already happened. And they trust in his plans for the future. Just like we trust in the plans that he has for our future. Hope is an invitation to all people. Where did this hope first have to start at? I feel like that when we, we have, they had this hope, this anticipation for a savior to come heal their land. It all started back in Genesis chapter three in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve had everything they absolutely needed for the rest of their lives. All they had to do was listen and obey God. But did they do that? We all know, no, they didn't. They let the servant, they let Satan come in and deceive them. They ate that apple, and what happened? Immediately, they were separated from God, weren't they? Because of sin. Now, do you think that them eating that apple caught God by surprise? Absolutely not. He's all-knowing. He's everywhere. So as soon as that happened and they, they knew it, they went and did what? They hid from him, didn't they? They started putting fig leaves together and stuff and trying to hide themselves from him. Well, I just said he's all, he's everywhere. He sees everything, doesn't he? He knew exactly where they were. So that's where sin started at right then and there. God already knew in advance what was going to happen. He knew that they were going to do that. He knew that he was going to have to come down one day in the form of man in flesh and save this world. Because this world was just crazy. It was already apart, separated from him because of the garden. He cannot deal with sin. He cannot allow sin of any sort 
with him. And so the only way he was going to be able to do that was to come down and to walk this earth and to save our souls for that. Hope is something, well, let's go back this way. Let's look at it here. Worldly hope is what? Basically just wishful thinking, isn't it? I hope that Ryan wins the lottery Wednesday night and he just has everything in the world that that he needs and all. And maybe he'll share a little bit with me because I I just told you I'm, I'm hoping for him. That's what the world's going to make you think about what hope is. It's just whatever and all. But I pray that, that we as believers in Christ, we don't have that worldly hope. We have a biblical hope. And a biblical hope is a trust and a confidence that we have in God Almighty, knowing that He is forever true and going to do what He tells us to do, tells us what He's going to do. It's faith in Christ, believing and knowing that He is the one, the Almighty. I pray that that's what we have and not the, uh, not the worldly hope. Old Testament, when it comes with to hope, they have they believed in a lot of the prophecies, the Old Testament prophecies. One of the one of the big prophets of that time was Isaiah. We know in chapter six is when the Lord presents Isaiah as a prophet gives him numerous things to share with the uh, the Israelites about coming and going, about everything that's going on. There's a judgment on them because so many times they were just floundering, not believing in him, worshiping idols, worshiping themselves, and just doing all kinds of things that were just so ungodly, but yet he still loved them so much that he he told he told Isaiah in chapter nine about the coming of the Savior. They were out floundering and walking around aimlessly, and in in verse two, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. And once again, he's already promised that he was going to send a Savior, that he was going to send a Messiah to save the world. And not just save them, but to save the world, the Gentiles included. We, we look down to verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given.
And the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The next, vo- uh, the next verse, uh, verse 7, talks more about hope in the future. And we're going to talk about that in a, f- in a few minutes, about the second coming of Jesus. But right here, Isaiah was 700 years before Christ. So it's amazing how God explains to his people about things that are going to happen in the future. They're wanting, they're hoping for a Savior then. They're hoping and praying that they would be there when the Savior is born. Kind of like we hope and pray that we're here when Jesus comes a second time. It doesn't mean always mean that that's going to happen during our time. But we still have that hope. That anticipation. That awaiting for him to come during our time frame. And so that's what kept them going even as miserable as they were. As many times as they had failed God and they just went on and did their own things. Wandering in the desert. God still provided for them. Provided manna for them in the desert. But yet they still bellyate because I guess maybe it wasn't a T-bone or something like that. But he never had, he never says that he's going to provide all this luxurious stuff for us, does he? He says, I will give you what you need. What you need for that day. He doesn't promise us tomorrow. But he tells us he will provide for us what we need for today. And through Isaiah here, he was, he was showing him that yes, there will be one day a Messiah, a king that I bring to you that will save you and will save the world. As you know, I'm very involved with Awana. I have the opportunity on Monday nights to do what we call council time. That's when I uh, present a little message to the young boys and girls. And uh, this past summer, some of y'all probably remember, maybe some of you even participated in it, but there was a young man that just went all over Oregon. I think he was from Eastern Europe somewhere. Tony the Bookman Ivanov or Lavanov or something like that. I can't remember last names very well. But he was going over selling books and all this kind of stuff and all of a sudden, my wife tells me one day, oh, we've got an appointment a couple of days from now with, with this guy called Tony the Bookman. I'm like, Bookman, what do we want more books for? I mean, they got to have a lot of pictures for me. That's, that's how I am. I judge it. Except for this book right here, all the other books that I read, I judge the goodness of that book by how many pictures it has in the book. Because I know that The more pictures it has, the less words I have to read. I can just look at the pictures. 
But uh, anyhow, he came over and I'm like, I don't really know why you're here, but let's hear your pitch. And he started talking about this series of books that he sells that are, it's Bible books. It's made for kids. It's made easy for kids so they can understand. And I'm like, hey, I'm all in for this. Because the first thing I thought about was Awana. I'm like, I can take these books and I can, I can read these stories and summarize them in an easier manner for kids to understand the gospel of Christ. And so a couple of weeks ago, I was sharing the, uh, the message about Mary, about how she, uh, was, was met, the angel Gabriel. But prior to the meeting of him, she was at the well there with uh, all the ladies and everybody was all happy and giddy talking about her engagement and the wedding coming up and, and all that. And in the story, one lady asked her, said, is there anything in the world that can make you more happier than, than your wedding? And she said, if we could only have a savior come and save our land, save our people, and free us from sin. Now, you know, she hadn't even been told yet about, uh, you know, being the mother of Jesus. But there she is. She has that hope. That's in, that anticipation, that awaiting. Because she knows that God has already promised them one day he's going to send the Savior. And so she, like all the other ladies there, and all the other people there, are hoping and awaiting for this Savior to come. And that's how we need to be too ourselves this day and time. We need to be excited, anticipating, and awaiting Jesus' next arrival here. The second thing I want to talk to you about, oh, that that was my first point, I'm sorry. Should have told you that a while back. Point number two is hope present. And we're going to spend the majority of the time in number two and number three today because it's very important. We're going to fast forward a little bit. We know Luke chapter two. We know all about the first part of it, talking about the uh, birth of Jesus and the shepherds and the wise men and and all that, and what this means now that the the Savior has arrived, the King is born a little boy. But it's a, it's amazing to me, though, even with that birth, how immaculate he is, and he's going to be. He's born what in a manger, isn't he? He's born in a manger. What I want to do, I want us to look at Luke chapter 2. And I want us to look at uh, verses 25 through 35. And we're going to be looking at a man called Simeon. We don't know a whole lot about Simeon, but we do know that he was shown in advance through the work of the Holy Spirit. And this is another promise that God made. 
that God would not let him pass until he had seen the uh, the Savior, the Messiah who was born. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just, bless you, was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, for the Messiah of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which had been spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Once again, this is a man who had been shown through the work of the Holy Spirit that he would not pass until this special day happened. This is another way of God showing his promises to us. That when he makes a promise, he will keep it for us. Jesus is born. He is the Savior. He is the only one who can save. Where you place your hope is imperative to your joy. What kind of joy do you have in your life right now? Do you have a true joy that that surpasses all understanding that when something happens to you you get devastating news that you're going to be able to handle that? Happiness, happiness is not joy. The world's going to tell you that all you need to do is to be happy, just have happiness and that's it. While Ryan wins the lottery, he's going to be happy there. But is that happiness going to last? Is that what's going to get you through your life? No, because happiness is going to come one day and be gone the next. The difference between happiness and joy is this. Joy is truly from the heart. Joy is when we know that we can bear all things. We can get through 
whatever it is. Happiness is just, like I said, it's fleeting. It's here, but yet it's gone. The only true joy that we can have is through this young child who's just been born that we've been talking about. And that joy is Jesus Christ. I hope you have that joy today. See there, there's that word again, hope. I hope and pray that you have that joy. If you don't have that joy, then we need to talk. Because if you don't have that joy and that that peace of mind, then that means one day I, I do believe that if your time comes without having that, then you're going to go to the other place that we don't want that to happen. Hope is a confident, it is a confident expectation. Because when we have hope, we have joy, we have faith, and we have trust. We know that our heart is where it's supposed to be. Because in order to have all of those There's only one thing that we can truly have in our life. And that is salvation through Jesus Christ. And once again, it was mentioned earlier. He came here for one reason and one reason only. And that's to save the world. And to to give us salvation. He went through a lot of stuff. He is God Almighty, God the Father, God the Son who had to come down in flesh, be born the way he was just like you and I were born and live this life just like we did, walked on this earth for 33 years just like we're walking now. He had to do that all because of what started in the Garden of Eden, sin in order for us to have the ability to spend eternity with him. John 14, 6. Actually, before, yeah, John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. This is a verse right here, brothers and sisters, that just tells the whole picture right there. There's only one way to the Father. And that one way came to us in the form of a little baby. Years and years and years and years ago. And if you're here today and you think that you're a good person, that's good, I'm glad. If you think that because you're a good person, oh, I give charity, I give to this and that and all over the place, I'm glad for you, proud for you. But if you think that that's what's going to get you to heaven, you're wrong. I'm sorry to tell you that. But this verse right here tells us 
point blank, Jesus is the only way to salvation. He is the one. Earlier I made the comment that Jesus, He is the Savior. He is the only one who can save. You can share the gospel with your best friend. And they can come to know Christ. And you can puff yourself up, make yourself feel real good, because I I led Johnny to, to Christ. No, you didn't. You led Johnny to Christ through the work of the Holy Spirit through the work of Christ in you. This life you live, if you're a true believer, is not about you. It's not about me. It's not about my wife as much as I love her. It's about him. And it's about us being willing to surrender our lives to him and to live for him in everything that we do and everything that we say. Amen. I want us to go over to and, I'm, and for y'all, you're you're lucky. You don't have to thumb all the way through because I hope that Rhonda has all these up there. And yeah, Rhonda, you can tell I'm really not going in order. First Peter one. Verses 3 through 9. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time in this you greatly rejoice though now for a little while if need be you have been grieved by various trials that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, though, I'm sorry, wait a minute, whom having not seen you love, Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy, inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Once again, we see here that Christ died on that cross for our sins. So that we have reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time.
through Jesus Christ, we have that ability to come to know him and to have that salvation, that faith, that hope in him. The world thinks that we're just a bunch of looney tunes. They think that this book's a fairy tale. I got news for you, brother and sister. There's no fairy tale in this book right here. This God-breathed word. This is the absolute truth. And there's going to come a day when this world, who thinks it's a fairy tale, is going to find out that they were absolutely wrong. And it's going to be too late for them then. And that's sad to think about that. But you know, John 3.16, it makes it pretty clear that not everybody's going to believe this word. Because it said, whoever, whosoever believeth in him. That right there tells you that not everybody is going to believe. God already knows who's going to believe. Sorry about that, but my mouth is kind of dry. Might even be a little nervous. But uh, it's, it's not for everyone. If it was for everyone, it never would have never failed in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. And everything would be rainbows and unicorns for us because everything would just be perfect. But it's not. James makes that real clear that we're going to have trials and tribulations. It just mentioned that right here just a minute ago. That the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes though it be tested by fire may be found to praise. I'm sorry, up here, verse 6. In this you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. This world we live in, we're going to be tried. But you know what's so wonderful about that is the fact that if we have that true hope, we have that true faith and trust in Christ, it can get us through Anything can get us through everything. While this is not a, this is a temporary life that we're living, we have to be more focused on the eternal life. And we have to know that that's what Christ, when he was here, that's what the whole point of his Birth and coming down to this world was about, was about eternal life. He doesn't care if you drive an old F-150 pickup truck with stupid Steeler logos on it or whatever. He cares about your eternal life, about your salvation. And that's what he wants, is he wants each and every one of us to come to know him as Lord and Savior. 
We're going to turn now for the next few minutes. We're going to look at the point number three, which is hope the future. We've seen in the past about with the Israelites and in the Old Testament about how they have hope. They're anticipating, they're awaiting a Messiah to come to save the world, to save them and to get to free them from all the bondage and all that they have, that they were going through at the time. We've seen now how hope present Christ did come, just like God said he was going to. And he was born, he was say he was here to save the world. But while he was here on this earth, he made some comments to his disciples telling them that while he had to leave right then, that he was going to what? Come again. So that's what we're going to look at now for just the next few minutes. And I want to look at Matthew 24, verses 36 through 44. Oops. I got too many stickers here. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken, the other left. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this. That if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. John chapter 14. Yeah, I'm, I'm a man of little technology, as you can see. verses uh, 1 through 4. Let not, and he's speaking here to his disciples. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. 
If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. And then it goes in about doubting Thomas, and that's when he goes into 14.6, but we've already discussed that. These two scriptures here, Jesus is sharing here and letting us know that he is going to prepare a place for us for when our time is called for us to uh, go spend eternity in heaven. But the first thing I want to, I want to talk about here is in Matthew. And it talks about not knowing when the Father's coming. Do we really stop and think about that and how serious this matter is? And when, I, when I'm talking about this, I'm talking to you here today, if you're here and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior today. If you're here and you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you should be excited. You should want him to come any moment. Because no matter how much we love this place, I love my wife, my family, I love every one of y'all with all my heart. But I'll tell you right now, when the time comes and God says, it's time for you, Kenneth, to come home. Hallelujah, praise God, amen. I'm tickled to death to go. What grieves me today is, if there's one single person in this room that doesn't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, then we need to get it right today, people. We need to get you right before you walk out that door. The scripture we just read tells us we don't know the hour when he's coming. You're not guaranteed to get up and make it through that double door and out there to the sidewalk. You don't know that. I don't know that. That's why it is so imperative, so crucial that if you don't know him as Lord and Savior today, that we get it right today. It is a free gift from God. You don't have to do anything except admit that you're a sinner. We're all sinners. There is no perfect church. This isn't a perfect church. It's not a perfect church because there's not a perfect person in this building here. We're all sinners We're saved by the grace of God. And that makes life grand, no matter how bad it gets. But I challenge you today that if you're here and you don't know him as your personal Savior, let's get it right now during this invitation that we're going to have here in just a minute. One last thing I want to share. I want to go all the way to the end, to Revelations chapter 21. And this is just a little more proof. Revelations chapter 21. 
that God is coming one day. That Jesus is coming back for the second coming. Revelations 21, 3 through 8. And then after this, I'm going to close with a short story. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his, they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, it is done. And I love this part here. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give up the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things. And I will be his God and he shall be my son. But the cowardly, and I want you to listen to this, if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, it's not going to be pretty. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexual, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone which is the second death. Jesus is coming, brothers and sisters. He's coming back. He's coming back one day to get you and I. Is it guaranteed that we're going to be here when on this earth when he comes back? No, because our days may be our days our number may have already come up. But that just means we're there a little sooner. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, We just read what it's going to be like. You can have heaven or you can have hell. The choice is yours. It's called free will. I can't sit here and talk you into heaven, but you can talk yourself into hell. It's up to you. I want everyone, every individual in this room here today to leave this place knowing without a shadow of a doubt that you know, that you know, that you know. If you walked out of there and you face planted in the middle of that foyer and you took your last breath, that you are immediately at the feet of Jesus. I want that for every one of you. But that's a choice you have to make. And you alone have to make that. I promise you he's coming. He came the first time. It was written. It was told. It was promised by God that he was going to come. It's been promised by God again that he's coming a second time. And like I said earlier, God doesn't break his promises. 
Worship team can start coming on up. I want to close with a little short story. Those of you that have heard me teach any in the past, you know that I I really like to listen to Skip Isaac. He's the uh, lead pastor from Calvary, uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico. And listening to him last night, this is a true story he was talking about. <clears throat> I believe it was in uh, Massachusetts. There was a mother who had pancreatic cancer. She listened to it to, with me, so if I can't remember it, I'll, I'll bring her up here and get her to finish it. <laughs> but anyhow, there was a mother... She had four daughters, very, very close, very close. She passed away from her cancer. The father asked each individual daughter separately what the one thing was that they would like to have of their mothers. All four of them individually told the father, They wanted the gold cross that she wore every day. Well, you know, you got four daughters and one cross. What are you going to do? The father went to the jeweler, gave him the cross. Told him he wanted three more made just like it. And when he went and picked them up, he told him, I don't want to know which one of these is the original cross. So he boxed them all up. He gave uh, each individual box to the uh, to the daughters, all of them there together. They opened them all up. And they're like, wow, we all have the same cross. The father told the daughters what he did. He went to the jewelers. Three of them made up. He told the jeweler he didn't want to know what the original one was. And that's what he told his daughter. Don't know. Don't care. That was just me adding that care part. <clears throat> Thing about that is, this time of season as we're celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ, we have to remember what the significance of that birth was for him to be here to save the world. As a believer, I believe we need to wear that cross every single day of our life. Not literally, figuratively speaking, as a Christian. We need to be carrying that cross in our lives every day. Because that cross signifies so much. A sorry, useless bunch of rags is what I am. Scripture talks about that. Sinful man, not worthy of much of anything. But yet, that Lord and Savior Jesus loved me, loves you so much that he went to that cross. 
and died for each and every one of us on that cross that we might live with him for eternity in heaven. Let's pray. With our eyes closed, our heads bowed, I want to ask you this today. If you're here and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, are you willing to take that risk for another day? Are you willing to walk out of here knowing what we just talked about? Knowing as an unbeliever where you're going to be? If that's you and that's what you're willing, willing to do, then there's nothing I can do for you. It's your choice. But if you're here today and you don't know Jesus and you want to know him as your Lord and Savior, then there is certainly something that we can do about that. And I want us to do something about that right now. So I ask you this right now. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, but you want to make it right, and you want to have that salvation before you leave this place today, would you raise your hand, please? If you want to walk out of this building today knowing that you know that you know for sure today is your last day that it'll be the first day of eternity spent in heaven. Lord, we just come to you now. Precious name of Jesus. I praise you for this time that we've spent here in your word, Lord. I pray that it has made a difference in our lives right now, Father, that we will just leave this place today a changed person, changed man, a changed woman. Lord, that we will carry that cross with us everywhere we go, Father, and that we will want to share the gospel with this lost world. In your name I pray. Amen.